Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Mildred. Guardate queste femmine, guardate cosa sono, guardate cosa sono. Hi, this is Mildred Tassoni, and this is Welcome to the Neighborhood New York. Um, today we have uh, Jason Marcus with us, we have John Gebby, and we have Jim Freebody who will be joining us at 1030. Um, I want to just give a little overview. We'll give those bios when when they start speaking. Um, but I just want to let everybody know we started Welcome to the Neighborhood NY.com as to let everybody, because we have business hats, we have community hats, and as a forum to get together and exchange both both business and um, community information. You can dial in with a question. You can call in at 646-929-1595. Or we have a live chat session. If you go to the uh, Blog Talk Radio page in the lower right, it says Start a Chat, and we will be monitoring questions there as well. Um, I want to just give a brief disclaimer this show is not intended or offered as legal advice. The materials have been prepared for educational and informational purposes only. Um, so uh, that's our disclaimer, informational purposes only. Okay, Jason, do you want to start off? This is Jason Marcus with uh, Continental Home Mortgage. Jason? Hi, hi Mildred. How are you today? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm doing well, can't complain. Um, First and foremost, I'll start off with just uh, rates over the course of the last week since the last time we spoke. Um, Started out this week, um, rates were starting to inch up a little bit, um, made a nice little recovery towards the latter part of the week, and basically remains unchanged, still historically low, still in a very, very positive position and still for those people out there that um, have yet to take advantage of it and we're waiting for the stimulus package, um, now really more than ever has become the time. Uh, Stimulus package, obviously, as most of you know, we're set in motion this week by the president, and I'm going to just touch base on a couple of things that that package wound up um, providing us. First and foremost, and probably the most important that's going to touch anybody that's purchasing uh, from any time last year through the latter part of this year um, is the tax deduction. Anybody that purchased between April 2008 to the end of the year, um, it looks like they're going to keep the same plan in place where you're going to wind up, um, depending on your income level, getting a $7,500 tax deduction. Now, when I say tax deduction, that isn't a tax credit, okay? Um, I'm sorry, it's the inverse. The tax credit itself, um, it's tax credit, not a tax deduction. I'm sorry, I said that inversely, which basically means that you're going to get that money like dollar for dollar. It's not a deduction. So um, when you go and claim your taxes right now, if you purchased any point in time up until December 31st of last year, you're going to wind up getting back um, $7,500. Now, that $7,500 is going to get spread out and have, needs to get paid back to the government out of your tax returns at $500 for the next 15 years. Or, obviously, if you sell the house before that, you'll have to pay that back at that point in time. Now, the nice little incentive that they gave for people purchasing this year is – Depending on your income, if you're a single human being, up to $75,000. If you're a married couple, your income up to 150. 
thousand, you're going to get eight thousand dollars back from the government come tax time um, next year, where you don't have to pay it back. So it seems like this is trying to get the people that are kind of on the fence. Where, well, I'm not. I, I'm going to wait to see if this thing kind of what happens over the course of the next year or so. They're really trying to give a huge incentive for people to purchase this year. So. Like I said, just to reiterate, $8,000 cash in hand come next tax, uh, next April, if you purchase a house in 2009 up till November. So this should be an incentive to spark those people that were kind of sitting on the fence that were debating whether they're going to wind up purchasing now or waiting. Um, you can't really get much better than where we're at now. Uh, prices of houses are obviously at a pretty nice low right now. Interest rates, I cannot predict, are going to go much lower, um, especially now that this plan has been set in motion. Um, it does not look like there's really much more that the rates are going to wind up coming down. So you got to take advantage of it now. Um, so they just have to purchase between now and November. What was the date in November? The end of November, um, beginning of November, I, did they say? I don't know specifically. I just had it as November, so okay. I, I'm not sure okay. of the exact date in November. Okay. Um, but I'm sure everybody will know. We'll know all those details later on. Um, so what's your opinion about, you think, you really feel that um, they're not going to go. How much lower can they go? I mean, really, I think that would be counterproductive, yes? Is that well, what you're feeling, to go too much lower? Here's the first thing that you have to understand about interest rates, and I've said this before and I'll, re, I'll say it again. There's no guy behind the, behind the curtain that has, like, he, that raises and lowers these things. It's all based on the purchasing of mortgage-backed securities on the second market. When you wind up taking out a mortgage, you're going to get put into a large pool with thousands of other people that have that same interest rate, and then securities are going to get set up, and it's going to be sold to Wall Street in a block. Now, people have the ability, investors, to go in and buy securities at a specific level. Now, when these securities are sold, the more that are sold, the lower rates wind up going. So the reason why we got to the point where we're at right now is because the government spent so much money buying these mortgage-backed securities. That seems to not going to be – like the government, I do not believe, is going to put much more um, funds towards buying securities. Hence, that just leaves the regular market to control itself for just the regular investor who's going in and out of either purchasing stocks or mortgage-backed securities. I don't really see any reason why there's going to be an influx of mo more money into that market that's going to drive interest rates much lower. Um, a funny other thing that I wound up hearing uh, recently in the last couple of uh, days, and it kind of like sparked um, a light bulb in my head, was right now when you're hearing out there that the banks aren't lending, it's because all they're doing is utilizing their line of credit when they're selling a mortgage. So for argument's sake, if Chase takes in a mortgage or any other major bank out there, um, what they're generally doing is they're immediately selling it off to Wall Street and just keeping the servicing rights, meaning they're going to collect the, the money on the mortgages themselves, but the money is actually owned by Wall Street, the mortgage itself. So what's going on with the, the stimulus packages, the government and the taxpayers are giving these banks all this money and they're not, they're not lending this money out. They're utilizing um, lines of credit through Wall Street. So it's kind of, you're going to start probably hearing more and more about this. It's like, okay, we're going as taxpayers and the government to save these banks. We're giving you guys billions of dollars. You're not lending these dollars. What are you guys doing with this money? And the more you guys will hear in the media, it's, this, this is kind of starting to pop up a little bit more. It's like, okay, guys, we're, we're more than happy to help you guys get on your feet, but can you tell us what you plan on doing with this money to get yourself back to uh, self-sufficient? Because right now it's they're insolvent. They're not doing anything with the money except keeping it, and nobody knows 
what they plan on doing with it because they're certainly not lending their own money when they're giving out mortgages. They're selling it right off to Wall Street. So if I'm going to give you five, ten billion dollars, you have to show me something you're going to do with this money. It's, it's not just a bonus, you guys, in the hierarchy part of these organizations for fun and keep us going in this never-ending um, whirlwind down the drain. I, I myself um, have been paying much closer, very close attention to this and still cannot figure out why we continue to give these banks billions of dollars if they're not planning on using it to lend to people. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Uh, do you have any other any other uh, comments that you'd like to make? Um... Well, there's a couple things in the stimulus package um, that they're planning on also that got rolled out this week. Uh, they're planning on pretty much giving um, incentives to um, you know government-owned properties known as HUD houses where there's provisions giving uh, just over six billion dollars to increase energy efficiency in these houses um, another five billion dollars for um, probably about a million homes in modest income home areas um, to weatherize a uh, lot of focus more so than ever on uh, the green side of things, which really, really, really is an aggressive step in the right direction. And uh, me, on my personal side and my personal views, um, when I saw, excuse me, when I saw that legislation um, being passed through, and as I read it, I was actually uh, a little, you know, a little bit proud of uh, how Congress uh, handled this. Uh, especially, you know, really trying to set in motion to get a lot of these homes in our country to be more self-sufficient and energy-saving. I thought that was really cool. Good. Okay. Um, I have several callers on the line, and I'm not exactly sure who they are. <laughs> um, first of all, John Gebby, are you there now? Yes, I am. Okay, good. Um, do you want to get going, and then I will try and figure out. I have someone else here that if I can... Um. Uh, see, see who it is, and w let's get you going, John. Um, this is John Gebby, and he's the president. Of, uh, no, you're the secretary of the Chamber of Commerce, John, uh -huh. and uh, the New Hyde Park Chamber of Commerce. And John is also in real estate. Uh, and why don't you give introduce yourself, John, Thanks. and then you can speak about the chamber. And also, John uh, works uh, does. Uh, works with a green company as well. So if you'll get going and then... Thank you, Mildred. I want to thank you for inviting me on your show today. This is very exciting to be able to talk a little bit about green and a lot about the Chamber of Commerce is something I really enjoy doing. Um, just a, a moment on myself. I, I'm a resident of New High Park for over 35 years, and I'm a commercial realtor then with a specialty in green building. That means environmental issues indoors, to, uh, as it deals with any kind of problem that a company and or a home might have indoors. Um, and uh, we've got some very innovative products to the point now where we actually are in a position to save people money on their electricity through an appliance that we'll talk about at another show. Um, I just want to make one comment about realtors and about business people for a moment. Every commercial... Uh, every business should have a realtor as part of their portfolio. They have insurance uh, agents, they have mortgage brokers, they have uh, accountants, lawyers, etc. Um, if people look at the history of small business, they'll find that having a commercial realtor on board and in their business transactions, they'll find that the biggest profit they ever make on their business is when they sell the building that they occupy. So just keep that in mind, and it's free. It doesn't cost anything to have a realtor on your, um, on your, in your business plan. Well, I'm here to today to really talk about the Greater New High Park Chamber of Commerce and let everybody know that the Greater New High Park Chamber of Commerce is not just uh, one small part of New High Park. It's very large, and it includes the towns of Garden City Park, all, all the way north up into the Herricks area, and uh, all the way uh, northeast into the uh, Lake Success uh, Shopping and, and Business Parks. So the territory is a, a little bit broader than most people might think uh, and encompasses a tremendous cross-section of uh, different types of businesses. There is a diverse group 
And as the gateway to Nassau County, as we call ourselves uh, at the Greater New Hyde Park Chamber, uh, there's a lot to offer uh, both consumers as well as businesses. Um, we just A lot of people think of Chambers of Commerce as just a bunch of merchants that are together that are retailers, and that's not true of our chamber as well as most. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for business-to-business type of uh, uh, relationships. And in that in mind, we've got uh, in, in our chamber people from, from accountants all the way to wire cable installers that are part of our chamber. I just want to read off a list of some of the types of businesses that are part of the Chamber of Commerce. We've got architects. We've got people in the banking industry. We have community organizations like the Elks Club uh, and the Cellini Lodge. We've got people that can help with computers. We have general contractors. We have educational services. We have entertainment people and health and wellness people, insurance companies, medical providers. We have moving and storage companies, pest control, physical therapists, realtors like myself, and restaurants. And I want to point out to you that I think we have the best selection of restaurants that any one small community has on Long Island. Fantastic group of restaurants. Um, what makes our chamber special? Let me just talk for a moment about the business, uh, the reason why someone should be a member of our chamber, if you don't mind. Go ahead. We mm-hmm. do a tremendous amount of networking. Uh, what we're about is uh, once a month we meet on the third Thursday of every month at the Inn at New High Park, uh, where we have um, uh, what we call Table of Eight, something I coined last year, where you're guaranteed that if you become a member of our chamber on, on, on our monthly meeting, uh, just about every month we have a Table of Eight session that allows you to sit around with seven other businesses where you have a, a four to five minutes where you can talk about yourself. And this is the key. You can talk about the type of customers you would like those other seven people to send you. And what, what we find is what this does is allow people to start a referral process where these people during dinner, after our 45 minutes of networking, continue to discuss uh, the possibilities of doing business together. And it creates for a much more harmonious group. And it's a nice idea to be able to sit down and invite uh, and, and sit down with people that uh, you can do business with and have a good social evening. Uh, there is some social parts to it. On the other hand, it's a great opportunity to be able to say, I left this meeting and I met seven other people, and I've made three appointments to go talk to these people so we can talk about how we can do business together. It, it, it allows our community to be a lot stronger when you have that kind of a uh, business networking group because we can help each other help the community. Um, examples, the, uh, this chamber has very special uh, offers as it relates to the uh, the Incorporated Village of New High Park has a street fair every year, and uh, our members are given a special consideration as it relates to having a table at that street fair. It's a very impressive uh, uh, a day. We, on a Saturday, the, uh, the entire Jericho Turnpike is shut down from 9 in the morning till 5 at night, and about 10,000 different people visit our, our uh, street fair. It was probably one of the first street fairs, if not the first street fair on, uh, in Nassau County. And to shut down certainly a, a major thoroughfare like that, it had some impact on the community. And we get people from all over joining uh, the day and having a good time. Um, and just as far as the street fair, John, I don't want to take you, you know, off track. Uh, first of all, the I was uh, at the chamber meeting the other day, and uh, as John's guest, and Weitzman, the controller spoke, comptroller spoke, who was excellent, excellent speaker, and we'll talk about a few things he spoke about at the end of the show. But it was really great. Everybody gave two minutes of, you know, their background and two minutes kind of their business at our table. And you get to, like, doing business with anyone is confidence. And it really worked out well. I feel like um, I've already communicated with several of the people that I met the other night, and um, it's real. It's it's networking in a relaxed sense. And as far as the street fair, uh, John's right about the street fair. It really uh, was. We had a Clickets booth. Clickets is our fabric arts, knitting, crocheting, and fabric arts, and we we had a booth there. And we were able to get our message out. We had a clothing drive that we had planned right after it. So we were able to give that material out to a lot of people. And we were able to collect over um, 
60 bags of clothes, and I'm sure that that being at the street fair really helped. So um, I think you're absolutely right about the networking part, um, and people don't – it's not just retail. It's business in general. So, so John, back to you. Thank you. Uh, It's ironic, but that's the next thing I was going to talk about, how Howard Weitzman, the Nassau County Controller – Oh, good. Go ahead. He was great. He was was our guest speaker, and that's the kind of people we have coming to our monthly meetings, people that can really give value to the membership. Howard uh, graces us with his uh, company just about every year or so, and he gave an expiring uh, discussion on uh, the state, uh, uh, how small businesses can get through this uh, recession period. Personally, I'm not participating in the recession. I refuse to, and I'm moving on and making a lot of proactive uh, steps uh, to ensure that people know that they can count on me during this, this, uh, these hard times that we're going through, these uncertain times. I don't know if they're so hard yet, but they're certainly uncertain. As an example, next month we're going to have a gentleman named Chris Dorian. Chris is a professional speaker on networking and referrals because what this is all about as a, as a business community is to let all of us know what each other does so that we can help refer each other and keep the businesses strong. Um, that said, uh, the strength of our uh, chamber has to do with our leadership, and I want you to realize that we've got a great core of officers that um, – make a big difference on the, the process of keeping uh, businesses in front of the local consumer and allowing businesses to connect to one another. Uh, we're led by President Rich DiMartino. He's a vice president of the State Bank of Long Island. Our first vice president is Stewie Small. Stewie is dynamic. He's a, he's a guy that's uh, he's an insurance business, and he is absolutely visionary on how we're going to in- enhance and communicate and improve what the chamber can do. Um, the, the next uh, vice president is Mark Layton. Mark is uh, into Internet uh, security and uh, an- uh, theft, anti-identity uh, theft. The $56 billion business uh, where unscrupulous people are taking advantage of others, and Mark's a specialist on that. Our third vice president is Jeanette Fresina, and Jeanette uh, is the publisher of the Marketplace uh, newspaper. Most of you probably received that in your home. Uh, a marketplace is a business uh, newspaper that tells you about all the different business offers. And quite frankly, our chamber uh, has an, an article in that in that newspaper just about every week. Uh, our our treasurer, his name is uh, Chris Volpus, and Chris uh, is an, uh, he's an accountant at Rosenblatt, Keeman, uh, Levitan, and Levine. He's a partner there, and. Um, which brings me to so you have a wide, a broad base of, a, a of, of people. Yes. What's interesting to note, too, and is that Chris is our past president. And the strength of, uh, revolves around the fact that someone like Chris, who's been our past president, has come, choose, chosen to stay on to be our treasurer and keep all the, that information uh, that he has had and, and give it to everyone else that's in, that's in the chamber so we have a strong base. Um, I might add that a lady who answers our telephone for the chamber, his name is Florence Lasanti. Florence is um, a former uh, deputy mayor for the village of New High Park, and she's filled with information. So if you call Florence, you'll get a lot of information about uh, the community. Um, the best place to get information about this community is at our website. And I wanted to uh, point out to you that our website is www.nhp, standing for New High Park, chamber.com. Uh, this this uh, website is constantly being expanded and improved, but if you go there, you can get a list of every member by category, by name, and be able to see what we're doing. Uh, the Internet is a fantastic place. Uh, the, the fact that we're sit- sitting here on blog radio is, is just a, an epi- the epitome of what people can do in, a, in the business community, and I want to thank uh, Mildred again for uh, making this available to us here in the community. Um, now I want to talk. Do you want to, to oh, go ahead? I wanted to talk to the consumers for a moment, and just point out to, to, to you that local businesses need your support, and the reason they do is because if we have a strong community base, the value of your homes is worth more, and I can say that as a realtor, and and also the fact that you'll have more services available to you. Our chamber has a 501c3 corporation which donates monies to scholarships, local charities, etc. And the only way we can do that is if we get the support of the community, which in turn helps our businesses grow 
and allows those businesses to give more back to the community. If you're ever walking down any one of the, the retail environments uh, in New High Park, as an example, Garden City Park, etc., and you see a sign in, in the window of a merchant that says, visit us every day, that's our, uh, our uh, coin, we coined that phrase, just like Coca-Cola has been using Things Go Better with Coke for, for decades. And it's about visiting us every day. And on that same sign, you'll see www.nhpchamber.com. And what we're saying to you is that that member, the person that is in that store is a member of our, our business community who wants to give back to the community and is giving you a way to find out more about us by going to our website. Again, it's www.nhpchamber.com. Um, and we'll have that. We have that also on our Welcome to the Neighborhood NY.com. We'll have all your links and, and information as well. Do you want to briefly, um, before Jim calls in, okay. talk about um, your electric, uh, your green product? Did you want well, to talk about that today? Or? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And, and, and let me tell you, because I'm involved with environmental issues, I get a lot of uh, people come to me with products and or ideas that have to do with improving the quality of life in, in, in offices, warehouses, and homes. Uh, it excludes no environment. But uh, a year ago, um, a company that I've been doing business with for a decade, which is a 23-year-old company located in Greenville, Tennessee, uh, got the exclusive rights to manufacture uh, uh, a piece of electronic equipment get, that gets attached to the circuit breaker panel in a home and or in a commercial office building. That can save between 8 and 23% on your electric bill. It's, it, this is important to recognize. The inventor of this product is 15 years old. It was only used in the commercial world because of the fact that that's where, that's where over 70% of the electricity is used in this country is by business rather than by, by individual consumers. But because of the massive rising cost of electricity, it became economically feasible to manufacture a unit for the home and the office. Uh, I'm so excited about it because my customers who are interested in this as, as uh, businesses and or as individuals, if they pay an electric bill, they need this. And what's exciting about it is the technology is, again, not new, but now it's available to the consumer. Um, if you're interested in knowing more about it, uh, let me give myself a little personal plug. I own a company called Healthy Living Associates, and if you look on the, our website, that's how I'm listed, even though I'm a commercial realtor at C Computer Commercial Realty. Uh, my website is www.hlaelectricity. That stands for Healthy Living Associates and Electricity, HLA Electricity. You go there, and you can take a look at a video, and you'll learn in a short period of time about this product for your home. It's the segue into anyone who owns a business out there, I urge people, try it in your home first. I have it in my home. I saved 18% of my electric bill comparing this year to last, uh, uh, in the last month. And it has to do, I don't want to go into the science. Uh, you need to know that. I'll be happy to tell you about it. But the point is that it works, and you should just investigate it. I always say to people, it's okay to say no to something. But isn't it, isn't it important to investigate so you know what you're saying no to? Uh, that said, um, I don't want to thank you, Mildred, for letting me bring that into the into the today's uh, discussion. Good, and we'll have the links up because it's very difficult, with, you know, and and it's really not even you know the function to have people writing things down. It's more the conversation. Right. And um, so, uh, what we're going, we have about another minute or two before Jim calls in. Um, what we're going to do at the end of the segment is talk about Facebook and LinkedIn from a business perspective i think uh you know how to get started a few personal things that i think like i really don't think you should have your birthday up there um i think that's a security risk um uh and i think you know but you know personal preference it's not so much your age uh as as opposed to a putting too much information out there but that's easy to take off in the profile you just say don't list that thank you very much um uh and we'll talk a little bit about how it can be used in business and um so i have a caller on here uh 6426283 are you there 6426283 hi good can you hear me Oh, good. It's Ben. I wasn't quite sure who it was. This is Ben Oliva, and um, I had tried to put him in before. I wasn't quite sure and didn't want to just uh, randomly put somebody on who I didn't know in case 
they dialed in by accident. Um, how are you, Ben? I'm doing fine. Um, I'm really enjoying the, the discussion and and Jason's presentation. And now I was listening to uh, to John and very interested in asking each one of them a question. And is there a, a time for questions? or, or is uh, You know what? You could do that now. We're waiting for because I'd rather do my piece uh, about LinkedIn and Facebook at the end. So we have a couple, a minute or two as soon as Jim calls in, Jim Freebody with uh, National Property Inspections. He's going to call in, but why don't you ask the questions until he does? Okay. This first question is for John. Uh, is it Gebby? That's right. Thank you. Hi, John. Hi. Uh, ben Oliva. I'm a, a broker with uh, Astoria Federal. I have an office in Mineola, another one in Carl Place, but I, I market homes, um, you know, in central Nassau and Queens, including New Hyde Park. And I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this issue. It's an issue that we brokers have, and it's especially troublesome um, during this um, period in our economy and, and what's going on with, uh, with the di difficulty of selling homes. But in New Hyde Park, for instance, on a weekend or at any time when we have an open house, we're not allowed to put a directional signs, signs that will point somebody to where the open house is. And, and that um, has a negative impact in that it, it just keeps the traffic to our open houses down. And I'm not sure whether that's anything that, that can be done, if that's maybe, you know, being that you're a chamber member and you're pro-business, it really does impact. It not only impacts our business, but it also impacts the residents of, of New Hyde Park who, um, who are trying to sell their homes, and unfortunately um, it, it could delay that process, uh, certainly impact it somewhat. So anyway, that's that's just a comment, and, you know, maybe there's something you could – you could add to this or, or suggest to help us out in this matter? Well, um, I, I was a, a residential realtor for the longest time. Right now I'm a, I concentrate on commercial real estate, uh, but certainly within our office we have the same complaint. And I want you to realize that this, this is not just local. This is all the way up onto a town level. I know the town of North Hempstead has a, a, a same, similar regulation about this. They just don't enforce it thank goodness, for some of those people that aren't in these incorporated villages. The crime is is that, um, unfortunately, it's the trustees that run the village, villages. They're uh, listening to their constituents and not informing the constituents enough about the fact that anything that deters commerce in the form even of the sale of a home affects the value of everyone's property. I would if if I was somebody who wanted to sell something, I'd want to be able to market it and expose it as much as I could. Uh, but there's issues about people that feel like it, it, it plays down the community, and this is not just New Hyde Park. All these villages throughout Nassau County have this kind of resistance against signage up there. Yet it's probably one of the best ways to have a house sell at the highest price. Uh, so I'm agreeing with your concern. Um, yeah, it sounds like I was preaching to the choir. Yeah, so yeah like and, and the, 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 the problem we have, again, is um, like everything else, we, if we have an apathetic society who doesn't really look at situations and aren't informed enough by their local, their local uh, uh, legislators about the facts that I just mentioned, uh, they're going to look at this without understanding the real value to them of letting people put signage out. It's a disappointing situation. It's been around for quite some time. Yeah, uh, but it is, you know, I, it as is I mentioned, kind of I do business. I'm sorry to interrupt, um, John, um, but I do business in other communities, but I can tell you that New Hyde Park is especially aggressive or attentive to this issue. You know, the, uh, the code enforcement officers, um, I guess they're doing a good job, but I, I would imagine that the village is, uh, you know, asking them to to uh, to be as aggressive as they are. We don't see this in other villages in the town of North Hempstead as much as we do in New Hyde Park. Well, yeah. Um, okay, Jim uh, is on the phone right now. So, uh, Ben, if you'll just wait until uh, we do questions. Uh, hi, Jim. How are you? Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yep, we can hear you. Uh, we've got several other people on the phone, but why don't you introduce yourself, and then if you'll go through and give us a little overview about um, property inspections and what you think is relevant to buying and selling a home. 
Okay, good morning. This is Jim Freebody from National Property Inspections. Uh, I'm a licensed home inspector in New York State, and it's, uh, I guess everyone should have their home inspected. It's really that simple. Uh, whether it's me or another inspector, every inspector in New York is, is pretty well trained to do the same thing. They're going to look at everything from the roof to the foundation and everything in between, from be it the plumbing, the electric, the appliances, the framing and structure of the house. Uh, and whether it's a new house or an old house, uh, we find uh, sometimes even more significant problems on new houses than we do on older homes where someone has already had a chance to fix the problems. Um, other than that, uh, any questions you guys have, I'll be happy to answer. How? What is the difference between, and, and I'm uh, doing this from um, um, a buyer's perspective, what's the difference between an appraiser and a home inspector? I know the difference, but if you'll... An appraiser is basically there to tell you what the house is worth. That's specifically the appraiser's job is to find out whether the house is worth uh, X number of dollars because his, his bank is going to make uh, a loan based on that dollar amount. An inspector doesn't care how much the house is worth. I do homes that are worth 200000 and I do homes worth $10 million, and it makes no difference to me how much a house is worth. I don't care. Uh, all I care about is the physical condition of the house, when we do an inspection, our basic goal is to make sure that the home, the buyer, doesn't have any surprises, that they know what they're getting, how old the house is, how old the parts of the house are, what's going to wear out soon, what's going to last another 10 or 15 years. And that's basically the difference. We, we look at the physical condition where an appraiser, while he's looking at the physical condition, he's doing it from the point of view, how much is the house worth. And comparing it, would you say, isn't it comparing it to other houses in the neighborhood, not knowing really how long the roof is going to last, so he's not comparing roofs to roofs. It's just general structure? Again, I, I, I don't do appraisals, but I, I know what they do. They're really looking at the market value of the house. Anything and everything they can do to determine the market value of the house. From an, an inspector doesn't care about the market value. Again, I, sometimes people will ask me, well, do you think the house is worth it? And I have no clue. I don't know how much a house is worth because the same exact house in Massapequa is not the same price as the same house in Manhattan. Right. Um, what would you say um, – now, we just had uh, an, appra uh, an inspection done by you, and you gave an excellent your system – Maybe you could talk about a little, your electronic system that goes through and explains each aspect of the house. Well, I have, I have, all, my yeah, I have all my inspection software uh, downloaded to a PDA. So as I'm walking around the house looking at everything, I have a, a, uh, a list, if you will, uh, which just helps me. I have a, uh, a roof the grading and the gutters and the drainage on the property and, and all those items. And I do it as I'm walking around with the customer. I'm explaining all the things to him. Then I can back that up the next morning with an email as I upload this all to the Internet, add some pictures to it, and make a nice, neat little report that I take back to them. But the real, the real report is on site, walking around the house with the buyer so that they understand what it is. And and that's why you recommend that the buyer do the inspection with you, correct? Oh, absolutely. I would never want to do an inspection without the buyer being there. On some cases, if he's coming from out of state or, you know, she's coming from another, you know, area where they can't make it to the inspection, uh, sometimes we have to do it that way, but it's, it's very, very poor to not have the buyer at the inspection because they lose the... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They lose the flavor of being able to be there with us and get a better perspective on all the items that are wrong. If they just read a checklist, well, this is no good, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be fixed. It's not the same as being there and having the opportunity to talk to the inspector. Um, let's see. What about termites? Termites well, on uh, Long Island, is that? Termites, unfortunately, are a fact of life on Long Island. Uh, it's hard to find a house that's 25 years old or more that has never had a visit from termites. They live here. They live down in the ground about six to eight feet down in the winter time, and they come up in the spring and start looking for wood to eat. Normally, if the house is built properly, you should not have a problem with termites because they'll hit the termite shield and they'll go away. Uh, but sometimes they come in, they taste the wood, they don't like it, they go away. Uh, mm -hmm. Just a fact of life, and you have to look for them when you're doing an inspection. 
I, I know, because sometimes, especially in a new... Go ahead. Home inspectors are not uh, licensed to do termite inspections unless they have a separate termite license. Mm-hmm. So many, many home inspectors hire, uh, you know, an additional termite company to come in and do the inspection for them. Uh, we're licensed to termite inspections, so we can provide a termite inspection with the bank report from the, that the attorneys want to have, which basically every uh. house in Long Island has to have. You have to do a termite inspection when you buy a house. The bank will require it. Okay. Um, what about, uh, should you, do you recommend doing a home inspection before you put your home on the market to sell, not just from a buyer's perspective? That's a good question. We call it a pre-listing inspection. Uh, in other parts of the country, it's a, it's a normal course of business for realtors to request that or for the, the seller to get their home inspected. Uh, in New York, it's not caught on very well, primarily because uh, we use attorneys to close houses on New York, and the attorney's always going to recommend getting your own inspection. But in other parts of the country, uh, you know, well-known inspect- inspection companies will go in and inspect the house for the homeowner and come out with an inspection report that says the house is pre-inspected. And the buyer will come in, read through all that, look at all the things that are wrong with the house, and there won't be any surprises for them, and they accept that report if it's from a reputable company. But in New York, it's just not caught on. We have some people that do it, um, and it is the wave of the future, I believe, but for many reasons. It helps the homeowner understand, especially older people who have been living in their home for many years, they've never had it inspected. When they bought the house, Uncle Harry came in and inspected it. They didn't have a professional inspector there. So they don't know on. They don't know that the inspector is going to come in for control space, they don't realize that they need to have the electrical panel accessible and all the things that they have hidden down in the basement. Uh, so it helps prepare them for what's going to happen when, it, when the buyer brings in their own inspector, and it also helps prepare them for uh, to be able to fix some of the things in the house that they don't even realize are broken, uh, you know, whether it be a, a miswired electrical outlet or you know, a lot of times people have no clue how old their roof is. They just don't remember. They don't even see the crack in the wall. It's been there for 20 years. And if they can fix some of these small things, it takes a lot of the scare and a lot of the surprise out from a, a prospective buyer because people come in and they fall in love with the house and they love the neighborhood, and they haven't really looked at all the little details that an inspector is going to look at. And especially first-time home buyers get really nervous when an inspector comes in and points out 30 or 40 things that are wrong with the house. So if you can I, I also closer, think... I. I think that it would help um, every, you know, you've been in your house, it's, you know, residential real estate is such an emotional business. I mean, it's, and, you know, my house is just worth so much more because I put in, I've painted this, I've put this in, it's stunning, you know, and I think it brings it more down to the nuts and bolts level because I think one of the major things is people want to overprice and in, and and to us it's real estate 101 you overprice then you're going to bring it lower and lower and you lose in the long run as opposed to underpricing get more people in and then then you'll make your money not and just, not even just the pricing many people just don't understand i get it almost every day people don't remember how old the, the items are in their homes uh perfect mm-hmm. example i had a gentleman and uh I looked at the roof outside already, and I knew the roof was in the 15-, 17-year-old range. And I'm looking at it, and I say, and, and I always like to confirm that if they're home with the homeowner after I've made my decision how old it looks. And I asked the gentleman, I said, do you know how old the roof is? And he goes, oh, it's not that old. I remember we put that on recently. And I said, are you sure? Because it looks like it's like 15, 18 years old. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. We just had that done recently. I remember we had that done in 1990. And mm-hmm. as, he was, as he was saying it, he realized, and he says, oh, I guess you're right, it's a lot older than I thought. And I find that all the time with air conditioners, with uh, appliances of different types, of, of windows and siding. People just don't remember when they put it on. It's just they lose track of time when it gets to be 15 or 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Many, of, many of the things you have in a house have a 15 or 20-year lifespan, like a roof, like the air conditioning system, like the... Uh, um, the boiler of various appliances, they all have different lifespans, but people forget. So if they do a pre-listing inspection, they will know what an inspector is, because all of us are going to do the same thing. 
different inspectors have different techniques and they have different ways of speaking to the customer. But in general, most inspectors are going to all find the same things wrong with the house. If a roof is 20 years old, they're all going to know it. If they've got a buried oil tank, everybody, they're going to know about it. If the things that are wrong with the house to an inspector are pretty obvious, where they might not be to the average buyer. Um, it's uh, We have about a minute or so for questions. Do uh, any of you, uh, John or um, Jason, Ben, have a question, something that's come up that you might want to know? Listening to – this is John. Uh, Jim, thanks a lot for that presentation. It was very informative. I just had two questions I had to ask for you. I think people might want to know uh, what it takes to become a home inspector in terms of certifications. And I had a specific question having to do with in indoor environmental issues. And I, I wonder you, if you had a, an answer as to what, what steps a home inspector takes when they see things that might be an environmental issue. Okay. Uh, first off, to become a home inspector today is a lot more difficult than it was three years ago. Right. Three years ago, anybody could be a home inspector. You just All you had to do was say, I'm a home inspector. Uh, today, the, uh, about, about three years ago, New York State put in a licensing law that requires home inspectors to pass a, net, pass a national exam and have at least 100 inspections under their belt working for somebody before you can get your license. Um, other than that, there's no specific requirements, whether you're an engineer or an architect or, uh, or a plumber. Uh, it's basically you have to have a amount of experience, and you have to be able to pass a, a national equivalent exam. As far as environmental issues, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about, but if anything that we come up with, even though I'm working usually for the buyer, if I come up with something that appears to be a safety issue, uh, whether it be an electric service that's not properly attached to the house or something that – I'm not quite sure what you mean when you say an environmental issue. Well, you, uh, you, you know you find it – Jim, you know you what? I think, I think, John, I hate to cut it off, but I think, because I want to talk about Facebook and LinkedIn, how it relates to all our businesses, and it's 1046, so we're kind of out of time for, for that. Um, uh, Jim, if you'd like to stick around and listen, you're a small business or an independent business. Uh, I don't want to say small. Um, uh, I want to, so if that's okay, thank you very much. Um, I'd like okay. to move on to the big uh, the the topic as far as uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, does it have a business use? Um, I personally uh, have had been on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, MySpace for a while, and um, but I just see recently where I think certain things have come into play that make it uh, useful for business, and um, and one thing is Facebook with using pages, which I have um, a link up to uh, uh, Facebook for welcome to the neighborhood.com. We have one for uh, the Islands Home Team, I have, uh, which is our real estate. We have Clickets is my fabric arts group, so I have a page for that. It, it enables you to um, put a page up and communicate with a lot of people easily. And I think that's the, the part where Facebook and LinkedIn are very similar as far as the functionality. LinkedIn is not as fluid. LinkedIn is more has always been for more business. Um, and uh, so it, it still has that focus, but it's stiffer. Facebook, it's much more fluid, which can also have its problems because sometimes you're going, am I putting it under my profile? Is it going to the page? Now they have groups as well as pages. And so you're going, should I have a group? Should I have a page? So I always try and start, like, pick one. So I'm focusing not so much on the groups right now but on the pages, just, just to really get a good handle on that. And um, you can, if you go in and create a profile, and I have a, a, a training site that, again, that, that'll be on welcome to the neighborhoodny.com. Uh, under my information, I'll have a link right there, so it, it takes you right into a Facebook link. You sign up. You just, you know, create a profile. And again, I, I don't recommend putting your birthday up there. I think it's just too much information. I, 
you know. Um, and then you can create a page. Jump in and create a page. Um, you can um, find somebody. We're on there. Um, you can find somebody to just start the conversation. You know, don't you don't have to go. Uh, you know, adding you know hundreds of friends. Start with somebody you know and get get used to it. I recommend for business doing a page. Um, you have your logo. You probably have that. Put up an event. Um, uh, put up your mission statement. Just start. And then you can start saying, yes, we're on Facebook. And the I, I think it has two business benefits. First of all, new customers because there's a lot of people on there. And people you know that even if you start with some of your community events, I start off usually with clickets till I get a feel for what's going on, um, then they'll say, oh, you're doing this. Oh, you do that. Oh, here's my information. And you start to build your network. Um, and I, I think that's the best way to start without getting uh, spending a lot of time. You can spend just a little time. You can do it from your phone. You can, you know, uh, access, send things from your phone, which might be good um, for uh, a lot of things. Um, uh, sending an email to somebody. I think another big benefit is it takes your, once you add your friends, you don't have to know their email address. They can change it ten times. It doesn't matter. You can just send them an email from there. I get mine on my phone, but even if you did it on your PC, um, you you don't have to know, is it on my Outlook here? Is it in this email? Is it that email address? It's just there, and, and I think the communication aspect of it is a lot more fluid. The last comment that I want to make is on the bottom of the Facebook bar, it has applications where you can add different applications, but you can manage your photos, you can have groups, your events, your marketplace, your pages, and notes. And there's also a really good chat area there. Again, you can just have your Facebook up. You don't have to be logged into 10 different places. If somebody's there and you say you're available, you can have a very easy chat. You don't have to know if they're on Yahoo, MSN. It just makes the communication more fluid. So um, that's my big picture comments on Facebook. LinkedIn will do next time. It's, like I say, a little more business-focused, but still excellent um, for, again, that communication. Um, do any of you have any questions on that, of what I just said? Well, I don't have any questions, but based on what you just talked about, I'm going to have to take a real good look at LinkedIn and Facebook. And, and see where, how I can make it fit for me. But thanks a lot for that information. Yeah. No, I, that's why I say I think Facebook is the one to start with, it, especially for um, for businesses. Um, and and that way you can put it up because you know your business and, and you can learn that way and you don't um, have to uh, worry about uh, sending something personal to more people than you wanted. I think you'll be surprised. I've really been able to touch base with a lot of uh, friends that I haven't been in touch with for a while, and it's very interesting. Um, uh, so I know we have somebody on the line uh, on the that's listening from New Jersey, someone I worked with, and uh, I just think the, the way to be able to communicate with people, uh, we're talking about another you know neighborhood group like i say with clickets i have a website for clickets but you know it's so much easier to put photos it really makes it to to do photos to put pictures up which is again another excellent way to start um pictures of a family pick a family member both of you get on web it just can be you you don't i i think that's another misconception um if you go uh and write on somebody's wall, that goes to all their friends. And, their, you know, it can just keep going. But you can go and send an email, and it's personal. So you can go to, if on the Facebook bar, inbox, and you can compose a message. And as long as you're friends with someone, you can send just them an email, which um, 
I do more often, I'm not a big write on the wall. Um, if anything, I just say oh, I'm getting ready for blog talk radio or working on that because, um, again, you don't want to be too business focused. You know, it's not, you know, some people are and that's okay. And some people are, it's very personal, um, which again is fine. It, you can do, do it any way you want. But, um, I tend to take the more conservative approach, um, just because that's what I'm more comfortable with. But uh, I think it can be very exciting. Um, and I think the fluidity of it, of being able to do a lot with the uh, user interface. In fact, um, I've put up on one of my pages, uh, Microsoft has a small business. Now, I use a lot of Microsoft's uh, small business products. They have, they've just added a Facebook um uh, group. Let's see, I'm not sure if it's a group or I'm going right to uh, Welcome to the Neighborhood NY. Yes, they have uh, a small business page as well. And if you go to Welcome to the Neighborhood, you can click on any of our links that take you um, to our Facebook page. You'll see I put up their uh, Office Live small business. And they have a lot of products that are free or they're all Internet-based which I use to manage things, and, it, and it's um, a lot of storage and um, a lot of applications that are really good. And so I put that up there. I thought that would be something that, as a business community, we could use. And it's a way that I don't have to be sending out emails, although I do send out emails. I use Constant Contact for that. And I want to just make a comment about Constant Contact they not only have your – I think it's excellent for small business marketing um, because you get the feedback. You know who's reading your emails. You know if something bounces right away. Um, people can opt out, They can, uh, which is excellent for, you know, really good Internet best practices for email. But um, they also have – if you work with children – or are a community organization, uh, you can sponsor um, someone who's a uses Constant Contact, can get a free account for small groups like that. So that's something that I think they give back to the community and, again, helps everybody stay connected, which is the purpose of all this. Um, uh, okay, so any any other questions? I know somebody online had a question, but I wasn't sure who it was. Um, so uh, comment from the chamber meeting the other night, John, there was two excellent things. First of all, and I'm going to be doing an email on this, um, Weitzman, is that, that's his name, right? That's how you pronounce that, John? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Weitzman, Weitzman, yes. that's how you, the controller from Nassau County. Yes. Every, he said everybody should appeal their assessment. If they feel they're overassessed, it cannot go higher. You can go to the Nassau County website and just um, um, grieve your assessment if you feel it's too high. And he did say it could not go higher, right, John? That's correct. By law, they cannot. Yes, that's what I up. thought. By the way, the, yep. the, the the closeout on that is only March second, so people only have a week or so. Right, and that's why we'll have the link on welcome to the neighborhood ny dot com, and I'm also doing an email um, on that because I think that's good with a direct link to Nassau County. Second thing he talked about, and I don't know if this is a state program or Nassau County, but there's a pharmacy card that anyone from child to as old as you can be, um, uh, can get reduced pharmacy um, prescriptions. That's okay, Nassau we have County, 90 seconds here. County product that he actually created. Mm-hmm. Himself was the was the genesis for this program to help fill gaps. It uh, doesn't it doesn't it doesn't uh, replace insurance. You can't use it in, with in combination with insurance. But for those that don't have insurance or there's a gap in their insurance, this helps. Or even if it's the deductible that you have to pay, you can use it for. So um, he. So that's again. We'll have the links up there. Um, so we have, we have 60 seconds. So I'd like to thank you all. I I really appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll have your information up on 
uh, Facebook, and we'll have it on our website, welcometotheneighborhoodny.com. And we will be on next week at the same time. So thank you. And um, we'll keep you posted on everything. So any, we don't have much time for closing comments. So uh, we'll just say goodbye, and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.